0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. Villa have played their first game back after 100 days and in classic Villa fashion it was (laughs) 0-0. Matt Kendrick, very weird wasn't it tonight, I kind of feel... It's quarter past nine as we're recording this. It's been a long day. We've seen no goals. I think that's probably the the biggest thing that kind of brings a dampener on it, and I just feel a bit a little bit downbeat now.
0: Yeah, it's strange. You wait 100, 100 days for a goal, and then you you kind of get one, and then you you don't get one. <laughs> um, you know that's going to dominate, isn't it? That 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 decision um, from a Villa fan, fan's point of view. <laughs> From a Sheffield United fans' point of view, they must be absolutely fuming, especially you know, they're competing for something a lot different at the other end of the table. Um,
1: but I, I think it's it, it's just do you care though? Do I? Because <laughs> obviously this is a Villa podcast. Oh I couldn't
0: care less from their point of view. No, I just I, I find the whole experience, and it might be because we've worked a long day and we've tried to kind of give it as much coverage as we can today. But I just feel a little bit flat. I feel I feel as if you know. I was saying this to you before we started the cameras rolling. It feels a bit futile, you know. What's <laughs> what's the point? You know, mm, football without fans. What's yeah. the point now? If we if it had been a five-all draw, I'd have probably uh, been a little bit more kind of you know. We well, would have won five nil. I'd have been a bit little bit more upbeat about it. But um, that's what we've got in store for the next month yeah. or so. That is football. That is the new normal. I don't particularly like it. Um, I don't like that ridiculous crowd noise. I think I, I remarked earlier that it's like kind of putting a candle after track behind the back of uh, Mrs. Brown's boys just to try and make it more interesting <laughs> than it actually is.
1: See, I listen to one half with with the uh, the crowd noise, and I listen to the second half without. And I kind of feel like because it's such a a weird thing watching football in this manner, anyway, you kind of have to go the whole hog and have the. The actual sound of the stadium, and that somehow felt more natural. Because once you kind of caught on to the fact that obviously it's fake, <laughs> I'm not going. Oh, I'm not exposing anything there by saying that the crowd noise isn't real. But there's a, f- a few instances where it's slightly out of sync, or there'll be a shot go just wide that you know is fine, but there'll be a big cheer as if we've just missed a really good chance. And once you kind of zone in on that, it, it's really obviously fake in, in some instances. So I kind of felt that just hearing people shouting and the kind of the echo of the empty stadium was somehow better to experience.
0: I can understand why you don't want kind of tumbleweed pin drop silence. But that 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 fake fake crowd track, I'd rather, do you know when you have those, um, you know when you have those kind of rave videos and somebody puts the Thomas the Tank Engine music on the back of it, I'd rather do that, just do something completely, put something completely <laughs> weird over the top of it, you know, put some kind of taxi driver's kind of radio on. Did you, actually, that just reminded me of the two people outside, the, did you catch up with that Dan, that story about the two fans yeah, who turned I saw, up?
1: Um, I saw, little bits of it, yeah. Yeah,
0: apparently there was a, a father and son and the, the dad's not missed a game you know, in 40 odd years or something, so despite, um, despite Villa and the government and everybody saying, please don't turn up to games, not only did they turn up, but they set up a gazebo uh, outside Witton Lane, they've got a cool box full of lagers uh, and a picnic, and I just I think that's brilliant, it even reminds me a bit, do you know when uh, when Gaza turned up with his fishing rod and, his, uh, <laughs> and a chicken or something for Raoul Moat? back in the day it's random just a, it, oh,
1: what a flashback that is
0: say, yeah we, you know we bring you retro nostalgia here football's back isn't it football's back and we better speak, I suppose we better speak about, a little bit about some of the football
1: haven't we talk to me about the result are you happy with a the point there are you happy with a clean sheet because my kind of thought was before all this came about you'd be looking ahead to Sheffield United going it's a really tough game they're fifth or sixth or, or wherever they are if you get a point out of that that's not bad whereas now with the reaction kind it seems to be that well we had to win otherwise we're going down which I don't really subscribe to because you could win the next three and things are fine so I think I still look at that as a, as a decent point and given the circumstances of the, the disallowed goal we deserved well, we should have got nothing from that so that's a bonus point that might just keep you up at the end. Yeah, I will
0: take the points. I mean, I, th- I think I think I expected a little bit more from Sheffield United. To be honest, I know they had some, some yeah, agree. injury news that kind of put them on the on the back foot. You know, but I think the frustrating thing is that it's it's no longer in our hands. I've one of one of my mates, Andy Turnstall, made a, a reference about Michael um, <laughs> Oliver saying there was always going to be a twist in the Oliver twist, and and I think I think that I think there will be lots of twists and turns, but. I do think it was almost kind of we had the chance to kind of not steal a march on people because we wouldn't exactly have gone that gone you know put a, a massive gap between ourselves and and, and relegation rivals but we had the chance to, to, to go first and we could have made yeah. a statement and, and kind of got ourselves out of that bottom three and then piled the pressure off, off, on, on day one from the teams around us. So I'm disappointed in that sense. I'm not disappointed in the fact that it's only a point against Sheffield, Sheffield United because I know Sheffield United are newly promoted like Aston Villa. I'm not newly promoted, it feels like 10 years ago. Newly promoted like Aston Villa, but they're in the top. Top seven, I think they've gone up to the top six now. They're in the, in the top six of the, the Premier League, so a point at home to a top six team uh, yeah. is not
1: bad. It, so much has changed since they last played a game, but and, and to be fair, that, they were much improved than the, the last time we saw them playing at Leicester, but there were still those, the hallmarks of... The Aston Villa of 2020 were still there that we've, you know, we're creating these, these chances and we look okay. And you think, right, well, you know, we're going to be all right here. But then it's almost classic Villa that we, we just can't quite do enough to get over the line. And ultimately, if things worked out as they should have done, we'd have lost that one nil there today would have been very disappointed that we've not gone, gone any further there's potential there in this side and we're, we're close to seeing it but never quite close enough
0: yeah I mean like I said Davis had a, a few bits and pieces didn't he I think Uhurahan and or Harahan and um, McGinn forced a couple of saves from, from Sheffield United goalie which you'd ex- probably expect him to have made anyway um, Davis was the one one big surprise for me on the team sheet uh, and I think he, I think he justified his place you know we know he's not a goal scorer and we know he needs to improve that side of his game. He'll chase around and he'll, he'll, he's the ultimate team player. He'll do his bit for the team, I suppose. If we're looking for yeah. positives, um, I think you've got to look at the fact that Davies didn't get injured because we know that he's kind of made a glass and John McGinn didn't get injured. You know, I think, did he play about 70, 75 minutes? I think those, those are going to be the positives. It's probably the case that every single Premier League club has got to almost play their way into a bit of form. You know, we said you know it's cliche, low. We said four months out the window because it's been three months since anybody's anybody's kicked a ball competitively. But I think that was very much what we saw from from Villa today. That they're going to have to kind of crank through the gears quite quickly because you know those games are arriving kind of thick and fast. And yeah. if you don't get get going soon, the season will come and gone before you, before you know it. Now, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you you summon that up when there's not a crowd to lift you. I mean, I think that was a big factor today. I think that the last 20 yeah. minutes you'd have seen Villa, that you'd have seen, listen, <laughs> it's a cliche again, the whole head roaring the ball into <laughs> the net because the empty hole managed to repel the ball out of the net. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I think I think those are the factors in the last 20 minutes where you'd have thought, oh, we've got lucky here and almost kind of use that as a springboard to kind of lift Villa second half. Don't have that now.
1: It it is weird. Um, I think the point that you said earlier about kind of you need to play yourself into form. I said to somebody uh, this afternoon on the the live web chat thing that we were doing that I think Jack Grealish has said a couple of times that he when he starts a season it takes him kind of four or five games to get get into gear and get going, and it's like well you can't do that now. <laughs> In four or five games time, we could be not dead and buried, but cut adrift to the point that we can't recover it in the final five games. So you can't you can't afford to play yourself into form. You you need to kind of just come back and be brilliant from the off, but it doesn't work like that, does it? That isn't that isn't the human nature, is it, to not do something for three months and then come back and just slip straight into it. There's definitely a few positives there, and I'm not kinda of gonna sit here and get too downbeat over a nil nil draw in the first game back. It's just I think the word is just frustration, isn't it, that it could have been so much better, but had Mark Oliver had not put his Fitbit on instead of his uh, goal decision <laughs> system watch, then we'd have lost one nil. so I don't think you can grumble too it's much. It's
0: great though, isn't it? It's great that... Kind no, it's, of, it I think I, I mess, I've either tweeted this or i put this on, on the web chat that we were doing earlier, that the world's been a horrible place, hasn't it, for the last kind of three months or more. And it's almost kind of refreshing that we're back to a place where we can't <laughs> moan about refereeing, officiating decisions going wrong. It's almost as if, oh yeah, okay. You know, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not meaning this lightly because the world is still a, a, a pretty bleak place. But it, it, I think that's what probably Premier League football and Aston Villa gives us. At least it gives us that that distraction. Even if it's another, even if it's a different reason to moan, it gives us that distraction. Uh, I wanted to just talk about. Um, Couple of things really about the the everybody taking a knee from the kickoff. I thought that was a really, really yeah, yeah. strong, kind of poignant, um, evocative yeah, moment, really. Um, and I think you know that that's the good thing about the Premier League being this this global beast, isn't it? It can, there's, there's no kind of bigger messages as to, the, to that. Even the, re- the referee doing it to me was do, doing it for me was a, a big thing as well. Because you'd normally expect them to be kind of stony-faced, very, very officious, just blowing the the whistle on it. But to me, it was a it was a massive statement. Um, so I thought that was that was one of the one of the the, the best best things to come out of the game, and also the um, the situation with the the the, the image of um, the steward's jacket, yeah, yeah, in the halt end as well as a, as a tribute to to Ron Smith, um, God rest his soul, Dean Smith's dad, who, who, who obviously passed away during the. Um, during football's break, um, so I just thought thought those moments probably you remember those more than you will pretty much anything that happened on the pitch, other than the goal that wasn't.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agreed. I, I was speaking to somebody on Twitter earlier, and in terms of the game itself, it's it's it is it's still like pre-season, isn't it? That it's too it's, it almost feels too early to judge from from one performance there, the first game back after such a long time to say that this player was great, so they deserve to play again, or or this player had a had a dodgy game. It's not. Like, I don't think you can you can analyze too much of the stuff that we're going to see at the moment for the first two or three games. And obviously, if someone has an absolute stinker and misses an open goal, yeah, that's fair enough. But th- if you kind of look back on that game, there's nothing really that stands out to me as being what you know what a great 20-minute period this was or, or what a terrible performance this player had. It was all very much kind of a, a much of a muchness. It felt very friendly-like and, and th- there was a the lack of that competitive edge there. I don't know whether that's just because of the scenario that I was working during the game, and the, and the, the game itself is played out in these strange conditions that you kind of just—I don't know—maybe zone out a little bit, or I don't know. It's it's just different. There's something about it is different, and I don't know whether that's because of the scenario or because it's just the first game back after such a long time that I'm not really that kind of fussed or impressed by what I saw from anybody. Really, I is that fair?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's the circumstances, though. I think I think we I think if we were at Villa Park this afternoon and it was. It was heaving. Even if it had been a nil-nil draw, you'd have at least probably felt a little bit more of a part of it, you know. And I know, and I know, and we're, I know we're, we're lucky in the sense that we get to go and watch Villa and these, these expats who have to watch on the television and stuff like that. But I felt like really, really removed. From it today. I like theatre and performance when there's a bit of audience participation. I sound like I like going to the pantomime now. (laughs) But I like it when you kind of feel part of it. Today, it just looked like, yeah, they were doing it, but we were just... You know, we couldn't influence it, could we?
1: It felt a bit like we'd been given a, a code to watch a stream of a preseason game abroad or something. And it's just like you know, and you can. It's like it's like really low level non league, isn't it? That you can hear the players shouting and, and the echo of an empty stadium. And whilst there's a novelty to that, and the, I mean, I, I think it's pretty much already worn off after one game. You're not tuning into the next games now, thinking, "Oh, what's it going to be like playing behind closed doors?" Because we know now, just something really weird about it.
0: I hope that football wakes up to it now and realizes the impact and the part that fans have to play. And by doing that, kind of some of the ridiculous away ticket prices that that become, you know, reduced to a reasonable level and some of the stupid kickoff times when you've got yeah. Newcastle fans heading down to Bournemouth on a Monday night when there's no trains back. I just hope that, I don't think they will. I don't think, I don't think it'll make a blind bit of difference when football comes back. And I actually think they'll, they might try and kind of I don't know kind of take advantage of fans more because fans will be craving more to get back into football stadiums but it's not it's nothing is it without fans there to kind of make make the difference I think anyway that's that that's my big 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 takeaway from from tonight's match to be honest it's just just flat I just feel
1: flat obviously Ash was there tonight uh, covering the game and he, he's like you, you can't even sit in the press box like normal I think they were sat up in the stands and his, his laptop died at some point and there's no plug to plug it in because you're not sat where you usually would be and he, he did a video after that I'll, I'll put in now and he's just kind of just saying it, it's just strange without fans like there's something about it I think he said something like it felt like he's in a nightmare that he hasn't woken up from that he's turned up on the wrong day or so, something something like that
2: he just felt so wrong um, obviously the big controversy around all your Carrying the ball back into the net and my my clover's watch not going off and whatnot, but even so, um, a game of, lack of any 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 clear cut chances. Um, I think fitness played a part. I think the players were, were flagging towards the end. Um, Smith used four of his subs as well, but it just felt really wrong It's really so, I mean, it's really so silent. And as for the uh, tempo, it d- weren't there today. I <laughs> will tell you what, you missed the uh, you do miss the fans. That they do an awful lot uh, to help Villa over the line, and today, never to be seen. Obviously, due to the circumstances, and it just felt really weird. It felt like a training game. It felt like it didn't feel it didn't feel real. To be fair, like I've been a nightmare. I haven't woken up yet, but I hope Villa didn't lose um, to the point towards. I don't know was a target to get out of the bottom three
1: I don't know There's. I think Ed, anywhere that you consume a podcast or a written piece or a, a video or whatever over the next few days talking about Villa or any other Premier League content everyone is going to say exactly what we say oh it's weird oh the crowd noise was weird no fans was weird like there's just there's no other kind of viewpoint that you can have on it. Like I doubt there's anybody watching Premier League football at the moment going, you know what, I prefer this. <laughs> this is better than it was before.
0: I think we're gonna get over all this surrealness, I think. I think it's good a nil nil. I think if it had been if Villa would have won five four and I know we had the controversy around the the, the nylon mistake But if Villa would have won 5-4, there'd have been two sendings (laughs) off a punch-up. I think we'd have said, oh, that was was amazing entertainment. I hate, people must be fed up with my pronunciation by now. Do we say Nyland or Neuland or Newland?
1: Uh, I think it's Neyland. Neyland.
0: All right, well, the Norwegian goalie. Obviously, Smith decided to favour him ahead of Pepe Reina. Do you think that moment, albeit one that Villa got away with and kept a clean sheet, ultimately, (laughs) do you think that might sow seeds of doubt in Smith's... Smith's mind for the next game, or do you think he'll just say, Oh, we'll just roll with it? Oh, I
1: don't know, possibly. I think there's going to be some talk at some point, isn't there, about Pepo having to extend his loan, which I think Smith has said that he wants to keep him around. Um, so if he does, you would assume that, that that's in mind with that he's going to feature at some point. I'd expect he'll come back in at some point. I don't know whether he'll rush immediately and it, the next game that we play, they'll immediately drop Nealon. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because as much as the situation we can look at, as with our Villa bias and laugh at and go, hey, we've got away with one. If that happened against us, we'd be absolutely fuming. But there has been things this season that have gone wrong for us. Nealan still has gone up for a relatively easy catch and fumbled it and fell into the back of his net. That's poor, really. As much as you want to excuse the the circumstances,
0: it was surreal to be honest. It was it was bizarre. But I don't know. Maybe at maybe that that's the moment. Maybe that's the moment. Maybe we just stay up by virtue of one point or. Goal difference of one. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if we do, if we do, I'm sure Sheffield United's lawyers will be all be all over it. I'm sure uh, they'll be competing it behind closed doors at the, at the old Bailey with with kind of wigs. I'm not a thought.
1: Let me read you what Hawkeye have said because I saw this and I sent it to our our uh, colleagues to. Uh, in case they'd not seen it. because I'd seen a, a paragraph of a screenshot and someone said, oh my God, i have said this. And I thought, someone's just typed this up on Microsoft Word and posted it out <laughs> themselves. But apparently this is, a, this is a legitimate quote. I won't read it all, but they've said, the seven cameras located in the stands around the goal area were significantly Significantly occluded by the goalkeeper, defender, and goalpost. This level of occlusion has never been seen before in over 9,000 matches that HawkEye goal line technology system has been in operation. And they basically apologise to the Premier League and Sheffield United and everyone affected in this in, in this incident. I mean, if anything sums up the strangeness of. 2020 in the year we're going through Hawkeye comes back for his first game and and has been switched off over the summer and someone's forgot to turn it back on I saw something I don't know whether it's true but I'm really hoping it is that apparently it buzzed at half time (laughs) saying it was a goal (laughs) which I just loved the idea of Mark Oliver and the assistant just kind of sat there having it at half time Orange going oh god (laughs) I can't believe what's just happened. Then he goes, Oh my God, it's just popped up. It says gold.
0: I kind of find that quite interesting about whether Hawkeye was just a bit rusty. And you know where kind of Villa have been doing these behind, well, everything's behind closed doors now, but they've been doing these kind of little practice matches for half an hour here and there against Leicester and, and Albion and stuff like that. You just wonder whether Hawkeye just needed to go for a, I don't know, <laughs> just pop down to kind of Wimbledon and. Uh, <laughs> I just find it that that is brilliant. That is, if it's a nine thousand to one chance. I mean, what who'd have thought that the stars would align like that?
1: If this wasn't Villa, you'd be looking at it from kind of an objective nature. That that going wrong is a, a massive failure for the integrity of that game and and where that what that could mean for both both clubs at both ends of the table. But we sat here and moaned so much about the, the Crystal Palace thing that happened with Kevin Friend. I don't know when that was. Everyone was furious about it and, and still is. And today we've had the opposite effect to that. we've we've seen the you know, what happens when that goes for you and that kind of evens out, doesn't it? We have had VAR things go against us. I mean, why VAR didn't step in today actually and say, hang on a minute, lads, I know your, your watch hasn't gone off, but that's clearly over the line. We we can see it on six hundred different replays. It's
0: brilliant. I wonder if it was the um the father and son on their iPad down the Whit and Lane. I wonder if something something just interfered with it at the time, but <laughs> Listen, I think without without that moment of controversy, um, obviously we, we've said about the um, the poignant um, tribute to Dino's dad and to um, the Black Lives Matter movement um, with everybody at the start of the, the game. I don't think there'd have been a lot to hang that game on, to be honest, really. It was just all a bit kind of, OK, we're back. I mean, mate, we were talking about cranking into life. Maybe Villa going first and having that game in hand means that when they play Chelsea, they'll be one match ahead of Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? They'll at least have had a chance to shake off some of their rustiness.
1: Now we've seen one game, we've got Chelsea next. Is there anything you change? Would you want to try a different formation, different players, or is it just more of the same and and kind of hope for the best?
0: I don't think anybody was terrible. No. To be honest. Uh, I still think we've got this ongoing issue of, will we ever get kind of three midfielders nailing down... Those slots. I mean, perhaps Dean Smith doesn't want three midfields to nail down those slots at the moment with the, the, there being so many games. But I thought Douglas Louise was, was decent. I thought, um, I thought Hurahan flitted in and out a little bit in a, in a way that he, he tends to. McGinn, it's his first game back, isn't it? Um, I thought that the fact that he, that he did manage 75 minutes was encouraging. Um, I mean, it's, it's the issue regarding we've got, um, Freddie Gilbert is injured, so it's concert the best option there. He's Elmo the best option there. Villa kept a clean sheet, and I don't think the manager will be minded to. Despite what we've said about the goalie, I don't think he would be minded to change any of the back five. To be honest, because a clean sheet's a clean sheet, no matter how many what circumstances it's come about under. Um, I think it might be Villa's first one, certainly in the league in 2020. So. I'd be inclined to go again. I think Keenan Davies did enough to to justify his his place. Um, I still think it's tossing a coin between Trezeguet and Algarzy, which one is going to turn up on any any given day. Um, I mean, I've not looked closely at Ash's player ratings, but you'd probably be giving six six out of tens across the board when yeah, you I think six so. and halves, a couple of sevens potentially, which. Is it going to be anything other than that on a first day back?
1: I think there's going to be a little bit of a fine line between between trying to bring a bit of consistency back and, and keeping the same team because you're playing games so regularly, but also because you're playing games so regularly, you need to make changes for fitness reasons as well. So you want to get some kind of cohesion there with the players because there's been such a break, but obviously fitness is still an issue as well because of the break. For Chelsea, I just think if you can, because of fitness... You stick with us as close to the starting 11 as you can today just to try and create some kind of consistency.
0: No, I think I think you're right. I think there's no no, <laughs> there's no known knowns at the moment, is there? <laughs> yeah. Because this situation hasn't happened. It hasn't happened before. So it's very much for Dean Smith and his kind of staff around him to just. <laughs> but I think the, the thing to me that I, I'm really intrigued about is at what point do Villa stick or twist in terms of you know, taking those extra gambles because a point's not going to be enough. We've seen Villa stay up in installments under Alex McLeish um, mm. way back when. But um, I don't know, I don't think it's I don't think it's Dean Smith's style to try and kind of eke your way to safety with a point at a time. The consequences of, of going down are so high that they're not going to go gung-ho. So I think it's at what point, and I suppose it depends on what the Premier League table looks like, five games in, but at what point do we think... Right, we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to step this up now and we're just gonna to have to kind of take a few more gambles.
1: We've got Villa back now. We've got Premier League football back for now. We have to just kind of play it by ear a little bit and wait and see what happens. Like obviously I don't know nothing we can do to affect it anyway. But I think you can fall into the trap of being overly analytical of things that are probably a little bit irrelevant at this point. We've played the first game back after three months. If you kinda of make any snap decisions off the back of that, I think you I think you're fooling yourself a little bit because Things change, don't they? So yeah, it's weird. <sighs> There's not much else to say, is there?
0: It's not mate, so I've got a packet. I've got a packet of what's it sitting by me <laughs> right here on my table, and I haven't. I haven't done it because I don't want my. Uh, I don't want my fingers to look like Donald Trump's head. <laughs> um, so I've resisted them, uh, but my stomach, my stomach's growling now. So I think, what better way to finish?
1: Yeah, crack them open, I think, and and we'll we'll wrap it up.
0: Yeah, before we go, just a, a shout out to the well, the usual bit of housekeeping, really about you know kind of continuing to support us following us on social media subscribing to the youtube channel finding us on all the other um all the podcast platforms and yeah we'll um we'll we'll (laughs) we'll be with you every step of the way and let's hope it's a bit more exciting than today thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa